because this is how it's being done. This is how they operate outside the law, how they've managed to launder trillions of dollars and um, how it is they're able to then use that to push these agendas out. There are 76 international organizations that were given immunities and privileges dating back to 1945. Well, and, and what's most important for people to realize when they're looking at this list and studying it and seeing, oh, this covers every single industry, these are the future rulers if we don't put a stop to it. And there are ways to stop this. Carbon 60 or C60 first gained notoriety back in 2012 from a study that increased the lifespan of rats by a whopping 90%. Since that breakthrough study, scientists have conducted thousands of studies showing C60 not only has a very real potential extending lifespan, but it also has been shown to be better than any other substance ever studied to reduce inflammation, eliminate free radicals, provide powerful antioxidants, and more. After the famous rat study, scientists at Live Longer Labs realized a human, not industrial, formula needed to be made. That's when they set out to be the first lab in the world to focus on what is best for human consumption of C60. This led Live Longer Labs to pioneer a high-quality, 99.9% .9 pure C60 refined without solvents in oils that work best for humans, and that is black seed oil. Look it up yourself. Black seed oil has been known as a universal healer for millennia, and more modern studies confirmed its benefits as a potent antioxidant and for anti-inflammation. Simply, it's not like other oils. It's better. To try this amazing product, go to sarahwestall.com under shop. Remember, members of Ebeneer save 10%, and all listeners can save 5% using the coupon found at sarahwestall.com under shop. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have the great Corey Lynn coming to the program. She is one of the best investigative journalists on the planet. And she's going to come and talk about the immunity clauses that all these international organizations, a lot of, a lot of them that are behind the COVID nightmare and well, probably all of them are behind this reset. And you will be surprised to hear, maybe you won't be surprised, but you'll learn that they are outside the law. And this is why no one ever goes to jail. But once we understand it, we can unravel it and we can change it. And we need to, because if we don't change this, these guys are the ones who are going to rule over us with immunity and we will be sitting ducks and we need to change it. We can't, this is unacceptable. You'll learn all about it in this show today. She's just so great. I love her. She's so great. You can go and see more of her work at coreysdigs.com. Her website will be on display throughout the video and below if you're listening to this on audio in a link below. I want to tell you that the court case our hearing is finally coming up this Monday, October 17th at 9.30 Pacific Time, a.m. Pacific Time. I have the link so you can watch it when it's streaming live. I also posted it on the givesendgo.com slash defending free speech campaign site that we have going. You can get the link there so you can stream it. We have updates. Uh, there's a video with Sean from SGT talking to our attorney. And if you have not donated yet, please consider doing that. We are still raising funds. I feel like we're going to be raising funds forever, but I am going to be working hard to, uh, 
raise funds, not from just our listener base, but from everywhere. Everybody's struggling. There isn't a lot of money out there, but well, let's just take that back. There's a lot of money out there for a certain group of people. And for most people, there isn't a lot of money out there. That's why I'm working hard to give you cost savings and doing what I can um, with Govi and other things. But I'm also asking for money <laughs> for our, our defending free speech campaign. So I hope you are uh, considering to do that. And the link below is there and share that far and wide so people can watch the hearing live and see for themselves, hear for themselves what is really going on. I think people will be amazed at how far the government has gone at manipulating our free speech and it's against the con our constitution, our first amendment. It's our most basic amendment right. I also want to tell you before we start, Dr. Zelenko created a formulation for for preventing getting the flu and keeping your immune systems high. The flu will probably be bad this year. The immune system of many people have been broken down due to these jabs. You know, one of the things he always says is just don't get sick if you've had the jab because it, it could trigger that cytokine storm and you want to keep that from happening. He formulated a flu immune system booster before he died and the product is just coming out now. I'll have a link to it below so you can learn more about it. And let's get into this fantastic conversation with Corey Lynn from CoreyDiggs.com. Hi, Corey. Welcome back to the program. It's great to be back. It's been a while. It has. And I, you just keep cranking out all this really good stuff. And you put out this article the other day. Of course, I had to repost it on immunities, you know, and I, I changed the title a little bit. I just added wonder why no one goes to jail. <laughs> and I used your title. That's because of this, right? Laundering the immunity, the control frame framework. Can you talk about at a big picture? And then I want to dive into this, what this is about. Cause I think you really touched on, you know, part of the head of the snake. Oh, it's definitely the head of the snake and there's, there are ways to dismantle it. So, yeah. So what this is, is <laughs> the control framework. I don't know if you've seen the work that, um, John Titus and Catherine Austin Fitz and Patrick Wood and Joseph Farrell have done on BIS, the, uh, bank for international settlements and, uh, the immunities there with the central banks, so they were working on that and uh, I was talking with Catherine about it. And as we're talking, just all these light bulbs are going off in my head. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. The organizations and I'm running through my head, all of the ones that I already knew had certain levels of immunities and privileges and various treaties that have been out there, you know, with the UN and, and whatnot. And so I start looking into it further and I have so many research notes, Sarah. It's crazy that I have I to do part do. two. <laughs> so <clears throat> I have to do part two on this. So what I wanted to do in part one was show the control framework because this is how it's being done. This is how they operate outside the law, how they've managed to launder trillions of dollars and um, how it is they're able to then use that to push these agendas out and and do illegal things that would be highly illegal for the rest of us, like put out a vaccine that kills a lot of people or you know, <laughs> take over people's resource, take over our whole country's resources or do all these things that they do that is incredibly evil. 
but oh, yeah. no, they never get in trouble for it. Right. Right. And that's because there are 76 international organizations that were given immunities and privileges dating back to 1945. And uh, on top of that, we've got additional treaties and then we've got headquarters agreements as well. And each each of those gives them layers and layers of protection to where they're impenetrable. You know, they're their archives are inviolable. They can't have, um, there's no court jurisdictions over them. And, and I can get into the specifics of that. Yeah. Give us an example. Like, like I, I see on your list here, that Gavi, which is, um, Bill Gates's organization, he has similar immunities and CERN and big pharma. Yep. So we know that big pharma does with vaccines. So what does that mean? So let's take us through an example. So people understand what this means and what they do and how nobody can touch them. Well, and, and what's most important for people to realize when they're looking at this list and studying it and seeing, oh, this covers every single industry. These are the future rulers if we don't put a stop to it. And there are ways to stop this. We just need state leaders to you know, take charge with this. So, so with, well, let me, let me actually just start with the international organizations and then move down to okay. big pharma and CERN because they fall outside of that list, but they, they too have immunities and privileges and, um, and tax exemptions. That's the other thing. So, and then there's the 63 central banks and the extensions, you know, to the federal reserve system and all of that good stuff. So, I created um, kind of like a little pyramid because it's like a pyramid scheme <laughs> to show this is at the top. And then you've got the, you know, the World Bank Group, the central banks, the Federal Reserve, insurers and payment systems with immunities. And then under that, because I want people to visualize this. Okay. So that's, that's the money at the top moving around. Then you've got 76 international organizations plus Gavi, Big Pharma and CERN. And I'm sure there might even be others that, that I, you know, wasn't able sure. to dig up yet that have <clears throat> also have immunities, privileges, protections, exemptions that are now operating with and through those banks. Now you go down another layer and you've got thousands of NGOs and corporations that are working with and through those organizations. And what you have is, and I, and I don't document the uh, agreements in this, but I'm going to document several agreements in part two. So people understand when they establish an agreement with some of these organizations, those organizations have the ability to extend certain aspects or all of the immunities to them, or there's NDA signed, right? So, so the protection, it's like protection by extension. So now you can imagine how they're able to carry out all these agendas with so much protection. Well, and then we're the slaves at the bottom. It shows we're providing them the money and yep. the uh, physical labor, mental labor to get their stuff done. Right. Absolutely. Yep. And that's where state legislators need to come in. So, um, so basically in, in December 1945, well, you know what? Let me let me go down to my. Uh, I'm going to scroll down to my timeline real quick so I don't get any of this wrong because I've already been working on two other articles since this. Um, 
Let's see. So, so I, I just wanted to put together, you know, just a handful of key dates so people can see the pat the pattern. So, in 1913, the Federal Reserve was created. And then in 1930, the Bank for International Settlements was founded. And that's a whole other ball of wax we'll get to after we go over the organizations. In 1936, the Hague Convention expanded BIS's immunities. Then in July 1944 is when the International Bank for Reconstruction and Development, otherwise known as the World Bank, was founded, which now has, you know, it's got five branches, all of which have immunities under the, well, under the International uh, Immunities Act, but they have additional ones as well. And what would so, those immunities be? Let me finish the timeline real quick, and then I'll go to the immunities. Just <laughs> And then let's talk about what, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it's like, so people, yeah, no, this is great. Keep going. Okay, so just keeping people on the timeline real quick. So that's July, 1944. December 27, 1945, 11 European countries signed the, uh, the World Bank Articles of Agreement. Two days later, the U.S. signed the International Organization Immunities Act into law, which Congress voted on. And that was for the purpose of after World War II, we need to, you know, rebuild and we all need to help one another. And so we need to give certain levels of immunities to uh, these international organizations so that they're not having to worry about when they're traveling internationally or um, any potential lawsuits because they need to be able to do their business efficiently, right? Oh, this is the reasoning. So we're at what, over 75 years now, and this is still in place. This, this needs to go. So then two months later is when uh, President Truman began dishing out tons of immunities to these organizations. So he kicked this off. And then in September, 1994 was the first uh, BIS board meeting after the Federal Reserve finally purchased shares into the BIS system. So they kicked off the central bank system on a global scale with BIS at the helm. And that's that 1994 that I'm always talking about, that that was the year the switch flipped. Because there's, I know you've done a lot of, a lot of research yourself. 1994 was a magic year for them. So in 90, 1997 is when money began uh, going missing from the Department of Defense and the Department of Housing and Urban Development and uh, totaling $21 trillion by 2015. And then uh, September 10th, 2000, BIS sent a note to its registered shareholders informing them of BIS's decision to the mm -hmm new restriction on the right to hold shares in the BIS exclusively to the central banks. So interesting timeline on this. So they had their general meeting and agreed to all of that. They adopted that in January, 2001. So now keeping it all in the family with the central bankers and the central bankers who essentially are the owners and members of BIS, so to speak. So then in 2002, they BIS created a subsidiary called the International Association of Deposit Insurers, whereby the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, the FDIC, is a member 
along with 91 other deposit insurers. And the U.S. Treasury, IMF, and the World Bank are just a few of the partners. So now we've got the the all the insurers under this group too. And some of BIS's immunities it implies on their website that it it can extend to them if they're working on you know activities or contracts or whatnot through the BIS system or on behalf of BIS. And then we that brings us to 2019, uh, where BlackRock's wonderful going direct reveals that the central bank is moving funds directly into the hands of public and private sector spenders meaning equity investors in a laundering scheme and they plan um the plan injected more than 5 trillion into the US financial system and then the following month the US Federal Reserve began a repo loan bailout program by going direct to the trading houses on Wall Street so then in March 2020 they hired BlackRock to implement the growing going direct plan. So you can see that this has all been very well thought out, very strategic. Well, and the other thing I wanted to say is that I've had um, some people talk about the fact that there's even a whole black uh, book situation where remember when we ought the Fed Reserve was audited after the 2008 crash and we got they had to open their books and we got to see the, the trillions they were giving away. And right. that was the only time in history we got to see what they were actually doing. Mm-hmm. And so, and we only got to see part of it. So my understanding is there's a whole black, you know, separate books going on too. So the amount of money being laundered and spent is more than people even can even comprehend. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. So, so going back to, let me, let me to answer your previous question on the actual immunities. Yes. So, so now this just pertains to the International Immunities Act. So this is in regards to the 76 organizations that have this, which by the way, how that works is <clears throat> once Congress um, voted on that and it went into law in 1945, the presidents by executive order are the ones who then authorize it to an international organization. So I listed in my report, all of the organizations, when they were founded, where they're headquartered, which president gave them the uh, immunities, the date of it, and the executive order numbers. So if anyone wants to, you know, look any of that up, that's all there. So, and it's all public, right? Yes. Yes. It's incredible. Okay. Keep know. going. <laughs> you know, it's, they just public and we we're all, it was like, we were, the, you know, when they say we're waking up, it really mm-hmm. is like we we're asleep because all these organizations were given immunity underneath in public and nobody ever said anything. It's like, we're like children just waking up to what we're part of. Right. I know it's, it's crazy. And, and like I said, you know, I was aware of, um, I was aware of Gavi and the who and, you know, the UN and whatnot, but with uh, many of these others, I was not aware of. And when I started looking at the gamut it covered of like from postal to agriculture, to telecommunications, to to marine life, you know, all the different industries, I said, my God, these are going to be the rulers of the future. If we don't, if we don't shut this down and how beautiful if we, do shut this down because it could be done on a state by state level 
to where we could cut off the head of the snake and just totally foil their whole laundering scheme. And that's what you need to tell us about. Tell us what their immunities are, and then let's yeah. get into how the states can shut this down. Okay, so I'm going to read off the bullet points that I have here, because I basically just kind of cliff noted the, I have links if people want to go in and read it in depth, but these these are the key um, immunities that I summarized. So international organizations, their property and their assets, wherever located and by whomsoever held, shall enjoy the same immunity from suit and every form of judicial process as is enjoyed by foreign governments, unless the organization waives their immunity. So now, unless I can kill whoever I want, unless I tell you, you can go after me. <laughs> That's well, what it's saying. So, so the funny thing is, is they say, in in regards to almost every immunity and privilege they get, it always ends with, unless the organization waives their immunity. So in what case is any organization going to say, you know, we're not, because they all have their internal counsels and their, the, the, you know, their internal audit systems and they handle everything behind closed doors, which kind of sounds like, you know, the whole vaccine injury compensation program, right? So they handle it behind closed doors at no point. I mean, I haven't come across any yet because I was looking through and I actually have nobody in too. In part two, I'm going to cover um, a couple of things on that because they have, there have been some groups who've tried to sue and one, almost, one made it up to the Supreme court who agreed that under those circumstances, they could be sued. And it was, um, I believe it was the, uh, was it IFC? It was an arm of the world bank. And so, but then what happened is when it was remanded back down, they said, nah, we don't, we don't agree with them. You can't sue. <laughs> we so, don't agree. You can't sue us. Like, <laughs> no, the courts, when they remanded it down to the lower courts, they said, no, no. So, so that's, that's all still, I believe they repealed that. And I'm, so I'm following that particular case, but to this date, I have come across nothing where they've been able to sue any of these organizations or where an organization was willing to waive their immunity. So, um, so immunity from search and seizure of property and assets, wherever located and by whomsoever held archives are inviolable exemption from property taxes, internal revenue taxes, communication taxes, taxes on transportation of persons or property, custom du custom duties and taxes. So the wealthiest um, people in the world pay no taxes. Well, this is why they all have NGOs, right? Because if they're not one of these organizations, then you can bet your bottom dollar they are an organization that's working through these organizations. Well, so when you get someone like AOC saying tax the rich, it couldn't be in any more hypocritical because that's why I laugh when Bill Gates comes out and says, well, I'm okay with it. Of course you're okay with it. You ass hat. All your organizations are protected. You're not going to ever pay taxes on those. <laughs> so they're so, they're so gross. There's that, but that's the definition of evil. And AOC is probably just an idiot. But mm -hmm. she's out there tax the rich. Well, all these people that that are supporting you aren't taxed. Right. Yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy. They're so, just going after us. So now you know, if they're if they're collecting uh 
wages from any of these organizations, technically they should be taxed on those. I mean, technically not because that's illegal as well, but we won't get into that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a whole, it's just a whole scam. Um, and so, and here's the other thing too, because they're international organizations and because these banks are also set up internationally, how easy it is to move from country to country. And, you know, I've followed money trails so many times and oftentimes the money seems to land in Africa where it just goes bye-bye. Yeah, so I can imagine it's so, so it's all scam. It was like the, um, the, the whole Ukraine budget there are not budget. Their entire treasury was stolen in 2014. And there's, you know, bankers that were trying to get the, um, it was being laundered through a, a bank system in Latvia and they're trying to get the national banks, uh, international settlement settlement to check into it, and I, the ERCB, I think, is what it was really called. And they just and the UN, they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do anything. And it's probably because these guys were all immune. Yeah, yeah. The, can you imagine waking uh, up and your the entire treasury of your country was stolen? That's what happened no, in Ukraine in 2014. That's... That's horrific. No, but in looking at this, the way this is all structured, I'm like, you know, I don't know. Let's see. We got all the central banks, Federal Reserve. We got uh, Jerome Powell's on the board of uh, of the of BIS. Um, at any point, could they collapse these banks? They've already stolen all the money. Could they collapse these banks if they wanted to and just say, no? Nope. We're not, we're, we're not responsible or going to pay this out, you know? Well, they're stealing it, it laundering it and buying assets and silver and gold. Cause this amount of silver has, has, is, is astronomically gone up amount of, they, they're hardly any of the distribution centers have um, any, it's very hard to get your hands on silver right now. And the amount and gold especially silver though the amount that there's this huge third party that i've just been accumulating silver in hordes wow wow that's so great. i think a lot of it is and assets to land and all these other oh things, yeah but, well yeah. and the money to build out the the smart grid infrastructure oh, and the yep. surveillance systems oh, oh yeah all that too yeah yeah Okay. okay, so so moving on, we got um, admission of officers and employees and their family members without checks from customs. So imagine the implications there. Officers and employees are exempt from legal suits or any other legal action in regards to activities related to work. Employees are exempt from income tax if they are not U.S. citizens or are both a U.S. citizen and a citizen of the Commonwealth of the Philippines. So if any of these organizations that are headquartered in the U.S. that are international organizations have staff coming over from other countries and working here and living here, they're not paying income tax. Uh, officers and employees of the, of the organization, the members of their immediate families, other than nationals of the United States, require no alien registration or fingerprinting or registration of foreign agents. So imagine that. Mm -hmm. If So now if the Secretary of State determines that the continued presence of a person from an international organization in the United States is no longer desirable, or if they wish to withdraw the privileges, exemptions, and immunities of the entire organization itself, they have the power to do so. 
Well, to me, that's an interesting clause. Okay. Cause first of all, that that's black, that's a blackmail type level clause, but it <laughs> yeah. also, yeah. Cause, but it also says that this can be taken out with just one person in the, I mean, the, one person, we could dismantle this whole thing through that one entity. Well, it, it Congress could vote to to revoke the immunities and privileges, which is what really needs to happen. Yeah. I mean, this is something that dates back to 1945 under the guise of, you know, rebuilding after World War II. And, and here we are 75 years later, just doling these out. Now, interestingly, every single president since Truman, who gave out the most, uh, has given these immunities out except for president trump and thus far biden well and now so, has the secretary of state ever removed a single privilege not that i have found i was not able to find the okay. only ones that were no longer um no longer had immunity is because the organizations dissolved well yeah that's not okay. so i couldn't find any revoked um, and that's why I actually had to have edge. I, I was compiling this whole list and then I came across some that had multiple EOs and I'm like, wait a minute, do they have to renew these? Why do some have multiples and others only have one that's been sitting here for like 60 years. And so I had her go in and just like validate that I had this right and add ones in that I might have missed, you know? And, and so what it was is they don't have to be renewed once they're give, issued that's it unless they're revoked in which case i've never found one revoked um but what happened is in some cases the organizations over time changed their name so a new eo would be created to show the new name yep um in very few cases they were added because they gave additional immunities and then there are maybe two or three in here that have uh, like interpol is in this list they started out with uh limited um immunities and privileges but then a couple presidents ended up giving them i know obama was one i'm trying to remember who the other one was ended up giving them additional immunities um so and that's why i wanted to document all the eos in here so if we anyone ever wanted to go in and reference them you know they're pretty blanket simple same message on all of them um and then you have to go to the actual act to read the breakdown which is what i we just went over you know so has anybody challenged any of this stuff and said hey have you found anything through history of people saying hey wait a minute these people should not have this immunity not that i've come across but i i wasn't specifically looking for that i was looking to see if any lawsuits ever succeeded against them um, and like I said, I found a couple that were in the works on that, um, but it wasn't for the purpose of, hey, you guys don't deserve any of these, because that honestly, that would have to be challenged at a congressional level, I think. But it, these were more specific to, hey, they built over here and it caused this this destruction to our town and we have the right to sue type situation. So nobody ever challenges any of this stuff. And do they, <laughs> what argument do they give? Have you found one of why they deserve to get these immunities? What do they say other than so they can do their work? It, is there any kind of legit argument? Not that this could be legit, but is there any kind of BSE kind of thing that they've said to try to explain it? Um, 
Well, that would have been back in 1945 would have been the only time that that would have been, you know, covered. And the talk was basically about needing to rebuild and after World War II and get, make it easier for these organizations to have staff that could travel, you know, and, and have in a sense like diplomatic immunity. Um, and because they're getting, they're getting the same immunities as like foreign diplomats, you know? So no, they, they pretty much most of it that, you know, how they fluff stuff up. It was, it was primarily their, their main, their main uh, argument was World War II, that they needed to rebuild and that in order to do that and be efficient and effective, they needed to have certain levels of protections because they can't be worried about being hung up in the court of law over this or that, you know? Well, a certain amount, I mean, you can kind of understand a certain amount of stuff where people are, you know, uh, trivial lawsuits and, you know, frivolous ones and things, but this is so far beyond that, that it's i mean i don't even it's jaw dropping is what it is now the only thing that they that i could see that would have been relevant or pertinent would be to possibly limit the make it a little easier and smoother process for traveling um from country to country when they are working for these organizations but as far as these um i mean when I get into part two and people see some of these agreements and contracts and organizations that I'm going to break down, it, it, it's jaw dropping. It, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And you were going to have to have you back to talk about yeah. the specifics <laughs> yeah. so people can understand how they took advantage. They weaponized this is what they did. This was very, very strategically orchestrated for decades. And so they've been operating, you know, we always talk about how there's like two systems here. Well, there is. And these people have been operating. It's not even above the law, Sarah. They're like completely outside of the law. And so, so Gavi now here, this is interesting because it's, it's not just, you know, I, I always refer to Gavi as Bill Gates too, but it's not just Bill Gates. Um, so they were founded in 2000 by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, who also created the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation at the same time, as well as the Global Fund. Well, technically it was like the Gates Foundation first, but in 2000 is when they kicked off their scheme. And so Gavi was you know, founded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, along with UNICEF, the World Bank, and the WHO. Now they're listeners, and the reason for that is because they were originally hosted by the United Nations, uh, by, by UNICEF, the United Nations Children's Fund. So by doing that, they granted immunities and privileges through this hosting relationship. That's why they structured it that way. So when UNICEF no longer hosted Gavi, Gavi became a foundation and an international institution under Swiss law. If you look at a map and you look at Geneva, Switzerland, and you see, you know, you got Gavi, UN, Global Fund, who you have all these major um, schemers, all, there. All, all within blocks of each other. And so uh, we could say the same about DC and New York, but so they became this foundation under Swiss law. 
And so on, um, January 1st, 2009 is when they were given that. And those basically equated to what the UN enjoys. So then when, <laughs> oh, I just wanted to read, I'm like looking at my, my report here. And this is something I didn't, somehow this slipped by me. Are you familiar with this? So in 2019, the U.S. created the U.S. International Development Finance Corporation. They call it DFC. And it was to finance the private sector in healthcare, energy, telecommunications, and critical infrastructure. So in May of this year, Gavi and DFC partnered to create the COVAX Rapid Financing Facility, which provided up to a billion to unleash more COVID jabs. I wasn't even familiar with the DFC. No, I did. There's so much, there's so many games and things <laughs> that they're playing. It's really difficult to keep on track I, of it. I know trying to keep track of all the different ways they're extracting money out is on, it's just, it's. And they want us crazy. to keep paying taxes and they want to raise our tax money. And I can't, I just, I can't believe it. So how but, can, do you want to, but keep it going? gets better, but, but let me just finish on Gavi and, and explain. Yeah, how oh the, yeah. Keeps... the global fund, because the world bank is Gavi's trustee. They manage their finance and they hold several seats on the board. So make no mistake. Like, it's like I've been saying forever, uh, Gates is nothing but a front for their laundering scheme. Hence the global fund, which has, has, you know, I've covered in reports extensively has laundered billions and billions of money. And so they created a very similar scheme. They were also founded in 2000 by, you know, Bill and Melinda Gates, Kofi Annan, who's since passed away, Amir Adaran and Jeffrey Sachs. And they launched in 2002. So they established their foundation under Swiss law as well. I mean, these people all do their own internal audits. And so in a, they did this in agreement <laughs> with their the own WHO. audits. I'm just <laughs> laughing. It's just incredible. I know. While they hire all these IRS agents to come after us little guys. So in agreement with the WHO providing a secretariat for the global fund, it extended the WHO's immunities and privileges to the global fund. Mm. So, so this is how they've managed to operate so far outside of the law with no transparency. No one can get a hold of their documents. No, of, of course they say we're, we're so transparent. If you go to our website, you'll see all of our finances right there. Well, guess what? They can publish whatever the hell they want because no one's allowed to check it. It's so, it's like the federal reserve though. Nobody can audit them. And then mm -hmm. the, the once they were audited in 2008 and what we found, found was jaw dropping, but it was only a partial audit. And you know, what's right. weird is they hmm. saw all that. And instead of saying, oh my God, we should be auditing these people consistently and do it more. They did nothing <laughs> after they locked it completely down. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, so. I included, you know, big pharma and CERN in here just because all of this obviously ties together. These are very significant uh, groups we're talking about here. And so in 1986, which I've covered this extensively in reports, um, you know, is when they created the vaccine injury compensation program. And I think everyone by now is fully aware, certainly your listeners are, that big pharma cannot be sued 
mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to vaccines. So, so you've got them working with, uh, you know, Gavi, who all governments are funding, especially the U.S., and the money is likely going through one of their buddies' banks, who is through the BIS. So now everyone can see the sheer level of protection here. And uh, CERN, I mean, CERN's just alarming on of itself. Well, and I suppose ARP, DARPA and um, HARPA. Right. Are they, did you find them on the, because the new HARPA is kind of scary because oh. now they're taking things out of NHS and putting it into HARPA. Yep. And so what that's telling me is they, they just didn't like the fact that what NHS was doing was public and they need it to be completely black so that they can do all their experimentations and stuff with not only immunities, but dark. Right. Now, DARPA is not on my list in here. They're on many of my lists in my other reports, but it, it doesn't, the thing is, is this is, it's like this pinwheel, right? And you look at all these spokes and then, and if they don't have the immunities and privileges themselves, they're working with and through these groups that do. So like of the 76 uh, organizations in here, I think it's 21 of them alone, including the five world bank arms are all UN based, you know, and then, and then you've got, I mean, the postal union, the labor union, I mean, it just goes on and on. So, um, so, but with CERN, CERN was given immunities. We're talking, I mean, this stuff extends to, you know, all the employees and their families. And we're talking, uh, in 2004 is when they were given additional immunities to operate again, once again, Switzerland, uh, out their host states are Switzerland and France. So now they have the ability to operate outside, you know, with immunity in their 23 member states. And, um, and then there's additional states that hold observer status. And interestingly in March 8th, 2022, they, they, booted the observer status for the Russian Federation. Imagine that. Oh yeah. Uh, so they've got nine, over 9,000 scientists. And so the, it basically grants them immunity from jurisdiction of the national courts. And people, the, the stuff that they're doing, sorry about my dog. <laughs> it's okay. Hold on a second. Hey guys. Okay. This and this, and the stuff that they're doing is really questionable. I and mean, there's some yeah. things that that puts all of us at risk. Right. And maybe that's why they don't want to, they want the, the worst part, they were doing good things too. So I don't want to say they're all bad, but this there's so many things they're doing that's dark. Right. And that's what I get worried about is when they do things, not only with their immunity, but they also can do things um, under dark, you know, black, black budgets and and nobody knows what they're doing right because we already know these guys are criminals oh yeah i mean and it goes beyond that i mean my gosh if you watch their ceremonies they're so disturbing and i have links to those videos in here i mean it anyone could look at that and see how disturbing they are so they're satanist types yeah they're so they worship ball and satan and all these things it's like they're trying to put a tear in the universe and open it up and welcome other dimensions and 
like doing the. They seriously are. I... Yeah. Now, do you think the the more you learn about these people, you know, they they claim, you know, the people who are very religious don't think that they're insane because they think that they're just Satanists. I personally think it's a cult, and they're all insane. Oh yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a cult. We have a an insane cult because I think we give them too much power. Here's the deal: I think we give them too much power putting um saying they're anything but this weirdo cult of insane people right and then and they just want to study you know particles and probe dark matter and we have no idea what they're doing it's insane i know that's right insane so um yeah so so basically when we get down to the bank for international settlements i linked to uh, Catherine and John Titus and some of the others who've done great work on this, um, because I didn't, you know, I didn't want to be redundant and repeat it. So they've already done fantastic work. So I linked to all of that in here so people can keep kind of up to date and on page with what's yep. what. And then I just kind of gave a brief summary, but in addition to those banks, there's, um, 13, five of which are World Bank, but eight of them, so we've got, are in the International Organization uh, Immunities Act. They fall under that. So we've got the African Development Bank, African Development Fund, the Asian Development Bank, European Bank for Reconstruction and Development, European Central Bank, uh, Inter-American Development Bank. And then we've got five, uh, the five arms of the World Bank, and uh, the North American Development Bank. So all these banks with immunities, why do they need it? Why do they need immunities exactly? Why do they need privileges and tax exemptions? And it's crazy. They don't. Banks don't need immunities. If Yeah, this is it is crazy. So what we need. That's why they're able to steal from people and launder money and everything else. Right. Because, because of this. Absolutely. And so what states legislators on a local and state level, what they need to do is they need to create independence from the federal reserve and the central banks. They need to nullify the federal reserve. They need to set state banks for the state and they need to create escrow laws for the state. So the John Birch society, I put it, I put this in here in the conclusion, cause it was just, it was such a, a great um, suggestion here. They said they need to, um, and, and there's actually like an incredible statistic in here too. So they say that state legislators should enact a state sovereignty and federal tax funds act known as an escrow law. Federal taxes would be required to go into a special fund controlled by the state government. Once they calculate the actual constitutional federal spending, the state would only send that percentage of funds to the IRS remaining funds would go toward state expenditures that were reliant on federal funding or be returned to taxpayers. They say that uh, taxpayers would uh, save a considerable amount of hard-earned money because they estimate that 80% of federal spending is unconstitutional. And I have no doubt, it's probably more like 90%. It probably is. Yeah. Well, and think of how much we could flourish if the money stayed with the people. Exactly. And the local city, you know, local government. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so and the, 
And then also to create state depositories for like precious metals. So Texas has done that. Um, now they did point out, the John Birch Society pointed out that there were, uh, as far as nullifying the Federal Reserve, um, they did state that there are, uh, let's see. So they argue that the Federal Reserve is unconstitutional and created a monopoly on currency, which we all know that 42 states have enacted legislation to abolish or curtail sales tax on precious metals, which is key because then that's like, you know, moving towards declaring them as legal tender, which they should be. That's what's in the constitution. So they say that Oklahoma, Utah, and Wyoming are leading the pack by reaffirming the validity of gold and silver as legal tender to compete against federal reserve notes. Uh, Texas opened a state precious metals depository, and Tennessee has enacted legislation to study creating its own depository. But then we also need to create, um, you know, I think North Dakota is the only one that has a state bank right now. But we need to get out of the central banks. States need to pull, you know, create their own state bank, create their depositories, create the escrow law act. Um, Congress needs to revoke the the immunities and privileges act from 1945 we need to stop giving sovereign immunities and privileges to these organizations that have done nothing but steal the money and then they need to go after them to get this money back so the the key is that the states need to take the reins on this and they need to build you know sovereignty in their states and on a local level and people need to get on their legislators to do this, show them this report. They can look up all the EOs themselves. They can see exactly what's going on by this. And um, they just, you know, we need a couple of model states to just set the stage and get this going. Uh, and this, and so, I don't know, it, it could end up, if we could get enough states to actually do this, First off, it's it's going to put a real hiccup in their laundering scheme, which then is going to be a ripple effect down on the organizations, all the NGOs, who aren't going to be able to carry out their agendas. Um, they all need to be held accountable for the trillions and trillions that they've stolen and misappropriated. It's completely unconstitutional. But this is this is how we uh, cut the head of the snake off. We need to cut off their means of moving this money around to build a control system that's what we need to do and enough people need to realize this is what they're doing so we have to do it okay yeah. now tell us if we don't do this what are we facing yeah we're facing this list of organizations as our future rulers no thank you and what does that mean i mean you've studied this enough and i you know i know the answer but what does that mean to you and what do people need to understand it means they're going to do everything they can to control the food supply, to trash farmers, take away cattle, to have, you know, all produce grown indoors in indoor facilities that's gene edited that they, they completely control with their own contracts, with their own grocery stores who they haven't chosen to put out of business and uh, growing meat in a freaking Petri dish that no one's going to want to eat and um build continuing to build their smart grid with their all their wonderful technology and surveillance and tracing and tracking um and 
essentially want to break this economy down and bring people to their knees so that they don't they're to the point of either they're starving, they're out of money, they, you know, their house has been stolen uh, by big gov, by these corrupt people. And now they're forced to have to go into this system that they've set up that we know is going to require a digital ID, eventually a chip to have access to anything. And the, and then the things that you do have access to, you really don't want, <laughs> no one, yes. you know? So if, if we cut off the money supply and the ability to move that around and have cover to be protected, even if we could just remove their protections, I mean, they won't be able to move it the, the way they're moving it now. And, and it's pretty crazy. The whole, we were just covering in our podcast last week, uh, me and edge on uh, the universal basic income, how they've got over a hundred mayors involved in this. Now they've already launched programs and, and what is it like 30, it might be more 30 cities. It might be more than that where they're just giving out free money, trying to get people more reliant on big gov and, and work towards this whole universal basic income. Well, and, and so many people think that we're moving towards a Marxist system, which is the, is wrong. We're not moving towards a Marxist system where we're moving towards a complete dictatorship, authoritarian. Yeah. And so, because there are a lot of Marxists who have this panacea thing and, and they're going to help bring this in and they don't realize this isn't a Marxist, even though Marxism is awful. This isn't that communist socialist thing. This is a complete dictatorship. This is a complete empire of the worst of the worst. Right. Yep, absolutely. So state legislators need to get on top of this. We'll see what happens with uh, elections in November. We need a Congress that's going to look at this and say, my God, this this explains how the money's moving and where it's moving to and why we need to revoke these sovereign immunities and privileges from these organizations. Yeah. We need to get our act in gear. Okay. And where, I mean, this is just wonderful. When do you think, I mean, it's not wonderful, <laughs> but it's wonderful. The work that you're doing, when do you think you'll have part two out? Uh, well, I'm working on another um, article right now that incorporates an interview I did actually a couple of months ago. I've been really wanting to get this out. So I'm about two thirds of the way done with that. I'm going to get that out next week. And then it'll probably be a couple of weeks before, because I have like 40 pages of notes and research that I've already done. And I still have to finish the research um, sure. to, sh to show this. <laughs> it's, it's a beast um, for part two, but it's, it's probably going to be a couple of weeks realistically it's a month out or so you're thinking okay we'll keep it we'll keep you pe people posted on when this thing goes out and i have i have to have you back when this yeah thing comes out yeah so we'll talk we'll definitely talk about part two because it's it's really quite incredible and significant and when some of the people see the the contracts and stuff that are going on that's it's right just, blah. Well, they need to see what actually is happening in within examples and see how their weapon, it's a bit, they've weaponized all this stuff. Right. The important thing though, is, 
is that once we learn what's going on, that we act on it, right. that we do something about it. Because, you know, there's so many people out there talking about things and bringing things that we have to act on this stuff. And it's like my lawsuit or our lawsuit, a group of us are suing Google. We're acting on it. Right. We have to, and you can't do everything. Right. Right. I mean, you kind of have to pick and choose. I can't get involved in everything, but everybody has to get involved in something that they can act on Exactly. because otherwise we're all just talking about exactly. Stuff. Right. And with this, you know, so there's going to be your legislators in certain states that are really highly active, proactive, um, the individuals. And those are the ones that people in those states need to seek out. Hopefully there are some people that have connections that can, you know, have meetings with them, go over this with them. Um, and they need to start building a plan. Um, I would love to put together an action plan for legislators because I feel like they almost need a step-by-step -step. they shouldn't, but I feel like they need a step-by-step -step process on how to tackle this and how to get their state in order so that they can pull out of the federal reserve and I think central so. banks and everything. And so that might be something I eventually work on, um, you know, that they might find helpful in addition to this information that they now have as a structure framework and, you know, evidence, um, for when they're discussing with other legislators on why they need to implement these things. So, yeah, it's just, they're the ones who really have to take the action, but we have to be the ones to put a fire under their ass. That's right. We have to put a fire under their butt. Yeah. But the thing is, you know, I had someone for action for Liberty on and they have a specific way that they get legislators to put a fire under their ass and it works. And if the people aren't going to do something, then get them out of office because these people who have all these immunities have a lot of money and they use it for blackmail. They, they just buy them out. They say, okay, we'll give you a billion dollars under the table. If you do this, right. you know what I mean, they have so much money. Right. And so we need people in office that'll do what is good for the people. Absolutely. Yeah. If she's got a trick on that, I'd like to know what it is. <laughs> action for liberty i had jake on it was a couple shows ago it was so good and it's you know some of my best shows don't get the number of views it should yeah but every single organization or every single state in the union should have an organization like his and the work that they did was absolutely incredible or that they've done they're the ones that shut and in the state of minnesota they shut down the um governors you know how the governor all the governors had what do you call it? Rights, emergency powers. Right. And they're essentially a dictator. Well, our governor was keeping it forever. And they, they came in and just like clobbered them, clobbered them and finally forced the vote through, um, to make sure that they, he didn't have those privileges. Nice. I'm going to, I'll have to check them out. Yeah. Yeah. Without them, we, I don't know how long the governor would have lasted. Right. You know, and the, and the thing is, is when the governors were doing that, they were putting in all sorts of interesting new things into creating new laws and doing all sorts of stuff. <laughs> They're sneaky, I don't aren't think they? people realize that. Yeah. I, that's what was going on. I don't think people quite realize the extent of what was going on. Right. So, yeah.
Okay. Well, where can people listen to you and follow you because they need to be? Yeah. So it's coreysdigs.com, C-O-R-E-Y-S-D-I-G-S.com. And um, I just recently got nuked by YouTube, of course. Um, but we're on we're on Rumble, uh, BitChute, Odyssey, SoundCloud, a bunch of them. You can find my links. We have a weekly podcast uh, I do um, called Dig It with myself and Edge, the Sharp Edge. And then also, I just recently created a new um, solution series with the Solari Report. So my co-host, James White, and I, uh, we do like two episodes a month, and it's exclusive to Quarry's Digs and the Solari Report. So if, if you go to my site, you can find all my links and information. I have a lot of resources in here, too, for people who like to dig and whatnot. And um, all my investigative reports are, you know, nothing, none of that's behind a payroll. But I do also have archive some of them in PDF format in my bookshop for a small fee because some people started asking me to do that because my reports are generally very long. Well, and you do such good work. It's good for, I'm glad that you're doing that because it's a way for you to get paid for all your work. Yeah. And, you know, and so that that's really good. And you also take donations, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm on Patreon. Um, and then just, you know, just straight up donations. I'm, I'm looking to try to figure out how to uh, get people out of paypal and move over you know it would wouldn't it be great if people would could just do like checks by mail and we could go back to that system and not have to well, although i have gotten checks by mail for the people who like absolutely did not want to go digital yeah for the google lawsuit i've had people give me decent amount of checks through mail in fact i've had more checks through mail than because those are the bigger ones right than i've had online wow that's incredible. Yeah. yeah. I wish I could get people to switch to that because then I would just, I would just dump all the other tech all together because we know how, we know how they're censoring us and cutting our accounts and, and, and it's, it's nerve wracking. You're like any given day, you never know. You wake up one day, oh, there goes another account. You know, you know, better than anyone, Sarah. <laughs> But yeah, I think I've been targeted probably more than anybody, <laughs> but the thing that probably, yeah, it's terrible, but that's why we need to get rid of these people because these people are evil. I mean, I, I can't, and I, I didn't know that until we, I studied it like you, right? right. And anybody we know that studies it comes up to the same conclusions. Yeah. It's impossible not to. It, it really isn't. I mean, th these people are the, the worst and most awful things you can think about these mm -hmm. people do. Yeah. Yeah. I actually took and created, uh, so the 17 goals toward enslavement. So I broke down the 17 sustainable goals and showed what they're really about. And then included about, I don't know, maybe 18 of some of my biggest, most important reports, um, that speak to the very agendas that it is they're saying they're trying to do for people, but showing all the evidence of how it's really working against people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And what they really are doing. Cause it's not what they say they're doing. Not at all. <laughs> okay. No, not even close. Okay. Well, again, tell us where people can reach you and we'll 
we'll close this out this wonderful interview i did (laughs) (laughs) it's coreysdigs.com they can find all of my links through there okay thank you so much Corey. keep up the good work we appreciate everything you do and you continue to do you're just doing incredible work well thanks and you as well and we'll definitely uh go over part two when i get that out okay thank you so much talk soon okay take care 